0: Janet Napolitano served as Governor of Arizona from 2003 to 2009, and then as Secretary of Homeland Security from 2009 to 2013 in the Obama administration. Since 2013, she has served as President of the University of California system, the first woman to hold that role. Today, she will discuss the various responses to the COVID-19 crisis from state governments, from federal agencies, and from university systems. Let's listen in.
1: Welcome, everybody. Uh, We're delighted today to have uh, Governor Janet Napolitano speak to us. Uh, She served four years as the Secretary of Homeland Security, arguably one of the toughest and most complicated jobs in Washington. Prior to that, Governor of the State of Arizona, and now President of the California University System, another big and complicated institution. Um, We're delighted to have you. Governor, the process here is, generally you make some introductory conversation, comments, then we'll open it to, to discussion. This is a lively group, and you will get all sorts of questions, um, and I think it'll be fun. Um, we have three of our problem solvers from the House Caucus on the call today. Uh, David Joyce from Ohio, Dean Phillips from Minnesota, Tom Swasey from New York, Welcome gentlemen. Um, before I turn it over to you, uh, Governor, uh, Don Buttigieg has a few things to say. Don, you're on. Thank you, Tony.
2: Yeah. I'd like to add to Tony's, uh, introduction. Um, if anybody has lived the life of no labels values before no labels existed, it's Janet Politano. Let me tell you a brief story. I met her in 2003 got invited to her conference room in the first month she was governor of the state of Arizona. There were 15 of us. She sat down and she looked at us very directly and she said, you all are the leaders of our state. You create the jobs, you pay the taxes, you take the risks that add value to people's lives. You have earned a seat at the table of the design of the state's budget. Not a single person in that room who heard that talk was even voted for her. They're all Republicans. Four years later, she wins reelection by the largest majority in the history of Arizona. Janet, thank you.
1: Thank you, Don. Um, Governor, you have the chair. Well, thank you,
3: thank you, Tony. Uh, th- thank, you, Don, for that uh, uh, that trip down memory lane. That was that was a few years ago, and and we've known each other ever since and been good friends. Um, uh, it is a little bit weird doing uh, doing everything by Zoom these days, but we're all adjusting uh, to life during COVID nineteen and uh, the greater use of technology in order to bring us together. Um, uh, uh, I was asked to give some opening comments about my thoughts on the current crisis and and how uh, uh, it might be impacting uh, the country. And I can say that from uh, several perspectives as the perspective of a former governor, what it would be like to be uh, the governor uh, at this point in time, as the former secretary of Homeland Security, uh, which... As you know, is the third largest department of the federal government, comprised of what formerly had been 23 different agencies from different legacy departments, uh, all brought under one roof uh, in the wake of 9-11. Uh, and while I was Secretary of Homeland Security, of course, we had the H1N1 uh, uh, epidemic uh, to manage. Uh, that was very early in President Obama's first term. Uh, and now as a uh, leader of uh, the nation's uh, largest and, and best public research university, the University of California, uh, 10 campuses, some 275,000 uh, students, uh, five academic medical centers, which are the large teaching hospitals and a huge research uh, uh, enterprise, uh, heavily uh, now involved in COVID. Uh, but, uh, um, uh, I don't want to uh, uh, harp too much on uh, the nation's initial uh, handling of COVID uh, because I, I think any objective observer would say uh, that we have been slow to the ball and chaotic and uh, that that chaos uh, uh, has, has not yet uh, cleared uh, Uh, And when I say chaotic, uh, I mean from from every stretch, from mixed messages from the president uh, uh, in terms of the seriousness with which we take this. Should we be open? Should we be closed? What does that mean? Should we focus on public health or the economy? Um, uh, 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 Do we take uh, hydroxychloroquine or or not? Um, uh, I suggest not, by the way. Uh, uh, um, and and but the but the problems ran deeper than that because uh, what we saw illustrated was uh, just a lack of leadership and coordination amongst the many agencies of the federal government that had a role here, uh, from the CDC's uh, failure uh, uh, to identify and supply testing uh, 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 and testing materials. Uh, to the lack of the organization of a supply chain for things like PPE and masks, leading to hospitals and states to literally scramble around the world uh, to get the necessary material that they needed. And that scramble is still going on uh, today. Uh, 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 To the um, uh, uh, inconsistent uh, uh, advice and guidance given uh, uh, to the states. Uh, so, uh, so I think in this conversation, I'd like to talk a little bit about, well, where do we go from here? Um, uh, I can say that um, uh, uh, one of the things that needs to happen is uh, that they need to straighten out the relative roles of uh, the agencies of the federal government. Who does have the lead here? Is it um, the Secretary of Health and Human Services? Is it uh, uh, the head of the CDC? Um, During H1N1, it was actually myself as Secretary of Homeland Security who played uh, a leading uh, coordination role amongst the federal government to uh, uh, identify the messaging, get out the messaging, uh, and uh, get to work on a, uh, on, a, on a vaccine and a vaccine campaign. Uh, uh, we were able at that point uh, to do that relatively rapidly. Uh, the first case, uh, reported case in the States was April of 2009. Uh, uh, by August, a new vaccine was in mass manufacture. Uh, And by October, there was a national vaccine campaign underway. Um, uh, But the point is, whether it's the secretary of DHS, HHS, uh, what have you, uh, uh, there still remains work to be done to clarify the roles of all of the federal agencies who who have important responsibilities uh, to carry out uh, during this pandemic. Uh, You know, if I were uh, a governor, I would be uh, uh, really torn, and I think somewhat tort, uh, uh, because it is the governors who have uh, the responsibility for uh, the public health within their states. Uh, uh, They have the responsibility for shutdown orders uh, and for uh, opening up orders, Uh, and uh, to have uh, uh, the president uh, insert himself uh, in that um, and say, as apparently he did um, uh, this morning, that he is ordering all states to open up their houses of worship, Uh, regardless of how you feel about the merit of of that order. uh, Is it the president's role to order the governors of the United States to order them to open up houses of worship? Uh, I think not. I think uh, that is a gubernatorial type of uh, decision. So I would be pretty torqued uh, uh, if I were uh, a governor uh, today. And then finally, as a, as a university president with 10 campuses, uh, uh, there are enormously complicated issues involved in uh, reopening uh, college campuses um, uh, uh, Do we hold classes? Uh, uh, online uh, If we resume classes in person under what circumstances what criteria do we deploy? Um, uh, uh, do we have a testing plan a contact tracing plan a quarantine plan? Uh, how do we uh, handle campus housing? I think I uh, Uh, Highly unlikely to have doubles or triples in a dorm room, uh, uh, but that all uh, needs to be uh, worked out. Uh, uh, How do we continue to uh, provide quality educational content uh, in this environment so that students can continue making progress towards their uh, degrees? Uh, The nation's college campuses, uh, many of them, like UCs, are mini-cities in and of themselves, mini-cities populated by lots of 18-year-olds and a faculty, Uh, so they have their own unique circumstances. But nonetheless, uh, uh, dealing with the reopening uh, question is like peeling an onion. Uh, You answer one question, another question, and and another question, and so forth. And we're still in that decision making process uh, right now. Uh, So, in short, let me end. Uh, The country's response was slow, it was chaotic. It remains slow, it remains chaotic. We need clarity in DC amongst the federal agencies. Uh, uh, We need the president to uh, occupy his role, but leave to the governors of the states uh, uh, issues about what should be uh, reopened, depending on that state's own circumstances and public health guidance. Uh, And then, of course, uh, the nation's colleges and universities uh, uh, will be. Um, I think um, uh, uh, struggling through the summer uh, about the extent to which they resume in-person instruction uh, versus uh, online. So I'm happy to discuss any or all of the above or anything else uh, anybody on this Zoom would like to raise.
1: Terrific, thank you. Uh, we're getting we're getting a bunch of questions coming in. Um, can I just start with something back to the California system? Yeah. I saw this morning that you've announced that you're going to waive ACT and and SAT tests, and with the the prospect of eliminating them entirely in a couple of years' time. Um, What led you to that decision? And given that the demand for places in your schools is very high, so you've got a a complicated process to to do the selection, what do you think the methodology is going to be to to replace what you used to get from those tests?
3: Right, so the regents yesterday voted that we will be SAT, um, ACT optional for the next uh, four years. Uh, After that uh, time, uh, uh, we may uh, have our own test. It would likely be done with the Cal State University system um, or abolish uh, the SAT altogether. Uh, uh we came to that decision after uh the faculty reviewed the role of standardized tests in admissions uh they the last time they had reviewed it was uh about 11 years ago and and uh a time for review was merited um uh the questions about the SAT have uh uh become so troublesome uh the Uh, Correlation between SAT scores and income level, Um, uh, uh, the the cheating scandal, Varsity Blues, uh, just just a whole host of issues that, uh, in in our judgment, it was time for the SAT to go. Uh, um, What it will be replaced with um, uh, is a a multi-factor analysis looking at the whole student, Uh, um, including, uh, of course, grades, including, of course, class rank, uh, uh, but other characteristics uh, of the student um, uh, all spelled out uh, in Regents Policy. Uh, So you're right, we get more applications than any other university system in the the country, I think probably in in the world, Um, uh, but uh, we had already announced that we would be test-optional Uh, For the coming year because of the numerous cancellations of test dates Uh, So we just decided we would continue test optional for a few years more um, And then uh, get rid of the SAT
1: Great, thank you Uh, List of questions is building up. Eleanor Bigelow, would you like to ask yours?
4: Yes, thank you very much for um, speaking to us today secretary. Um, I heard Arnie Duncan talk this morning, and he said he thinks the crisis in the public school is going to be even greater than we saw in the 2009 recession. Uh, what do you think the future of public education looks like, and how can we help fund our schools and ensure quality education?
3: Thank you. Yeah, so, Eleanor, um, uh, I think uh, one of the key questions for the country is going to be uh, whether schoolchildren can safely return to schools. Uh, and uh, if you know they have uh, all been at home for the last several months Um, uh, um, that in and of itself has uh, uh, revealed some of the fundamental inequalities in our population Uh, some kids are at homes where they've got nice computer setups uh, they've got uh, uh, parents who who can help them with their schoolwork. Uh, they have teachers who can stay in regular contact with them. Uh, other students uh, uh, come from areas where there may be no broadband access at all, or where they don't have the technology, uh, and where they may not be living in a household where uh, a parent is well educated, educated enough to help them with their schoolwork. So. We've got to get these kids back in, uh, in school, or we've got to deal with uh addressing those inequalities. We should have uh uh national support for uh acquiring technology uh and technology assistance for public school kids. Uh we should have a program to teach teachers how to teach online. It's a different skill set than in-person. Uh Uh, You know the circumstances have required everybody to switch quickly, but we should be using this summer uh, to assume that uh, public schools by and large may not be open uh, uh, for uh, the fall Um, uh, So we need to deal with these uh, uh, The technology access uh, for the kids and we need to deal with some training for the teachers
1: it's going to be an interesting challenge with the, the current budget challenges of the states. And,
3: uh, oh, it, it, yeah, it's huge. Um, uh, um, but, uh, you know, w- we've already lost almost a semester's worth of education for these kids. And uh, particularly for the, the youngest ones, that, that could have lifelong impact. So we got to play some serious catch up here.
1: Thank you. Bill Galston? You know, governor,
5: secretary, president, Napolitano. uh, My question comes from the third of the many hats that you've worn in your distinguished public career. I want to go back to to Tony Mayer's question, the first one you you received. uh, And please correct me if I have the facts wrong. Uh, A couple of years ago, you asked the faculty You know, to conduct a very organized review of the SAT ACT issue. Uh, And they did so, as I understand it, they delivered to you uh, an extraordinarily well-researched, well-reasoned, and I would say morally sensitive 228-page document a few months ago. Uh, And they came to a very firm conclusion. Uh, that the SAT and the ACT should not be removed uh, from their current position. Uh, And you made exactly the opposite recommendation. So could you tell us in what respects you think the faculty went astray?
3: Right. Uh, uh, What the faculty uh, uh, concluded was that Uh, we should retain the SAT or ACT uh, for nine years and during a nine-year period uh, arrive at a different and better assessment of students to see uh, whether they were prepared for the University of California. Um, After that uh, conclusion, uh, COVID hit uh, and the faculty recommended that we go test optional for this year. So we'd already taken that first uh, jump. Uh, And while the faculty's report was well-researched and well done, uh, there was lots of other research out there that came to a very different conclusion. And and my final assessment, Bill, was that... uh, Uh, The amount of time and effort we were spending in the admissions process to mitigate for the known inequalities inherent in the SAT system uh, uh, outweighed the value add of the test itself. Uh, That the test itself was a minimal value add, and we were spending incredible resources to work around it, as it were. It seemed to me a better judgment to just say, uh, no, we're going to, we're going to phase it out. Thank you. Doug Scrivener?
5: Uh, yes. Uh, Pre- President Napolitano greetings from Los Altos Hills. Um, <laughs> and as a trustee of a, a mid-sized private university, two part question about higher education. Uh, first, uh, you've announced that the university of California system will open in the fall. CSU system has said they're going to be online in the fall and what prompts the different approaches and what what should we learn from How you arrived at different conclusions uh, to that question second is Recognizing that predictions are kind of challenging especially about the future What do you would you begin to sketch out what the permanent new normal? Attributes might be for higher education once we get beyond the immediate crisis and its near-term implications. Thanks.
3: Yeah, so thanks Doug. So uh, uh, what we're doing at the University of California is we have a common set of uh, consensus standards for what uh, the requirements uh, a campus uh, must uh, reach before it can uh, begin to reopen. And it's, and it's things like I've already mentioned. It's do you have uh, a testing plan and the capacity for testing? Do you have uh, a tracing plan, a quarantine plan, and so forth? And once they've satisfied those, uh, then they get into the analysis it's, okay, uh, what are the kinds of classes and activities uh, that we should prioritize for being in person? And you begin with the logical things, things like wet labs, things like uh, the performing arts and the fine arts. Um, uh, then you get to things like small, uh, uh, small classes, seminars, small lectures, things of that sort. Um, at the same time, uh, we understand that the bulk of the curricula will still be delivered uh, remotely. Um, and even classes that are in person are gonna uh, end up being hybrid, i.e., partly in person, partly remote. So uh, that's kind of the, the approach we've taken. In, in a way, we may get to the same place uh, as uh, the Cal State system has, because um, I'm already hearing lots of their campuses are saying, "No, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna try to be reopened." So. Um, uh, and it may end up being a distinction without a difference. One real difference between the UC and Cal State is uh, as a research university, uh, many of our campuses have their own lab capacity to do their own testing. Uh, and um, uh, uh, in, indeed, right now, the University of California, San Diego. Uh, they had about uh, 5,000 students who remained on campus, had nowhere else to go when the shutdown occurred, uh, and they're doing a huge pilot project now, uh, uh, testing um, all those students, um, uh, and they have a, a way to uh, attach the the test to an app on the student's phone, so. Uh, if there's a positive test, then immediately the student can be uh, connected, and uh, and then um, also the contact tracing can begin. So, um, uh, and th- those are capacities at the at UC, which is the state's research university that the Cal State system doesn't have for higher ed. Generally, I think there's going to be a real sorting mechanism that happens now, um, uh, and uh, and I do think. Um, uh, there are going to be a number of schools that close um, uh, and those would be uh, sm- smaller schools, tuition dependent schools um, uh, uh, that really cannot uh, um, uh, withstand the, the, the loss of en- enrollment and tuition dollars that uh, uh, is likely to, to occur. So I think we're going to see Uh, a real sorting mechanism that this COVID-19 precipitates.
5: Thank you, Tom Eck. Uh, Governor Napolitano, this is Tom Eck in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I am the father of a rising high school senior and I'm intrigued by the elimination of the SAT, particularly since she wants to go to school in California. Um, and, And I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you think will replace the SAT, because. At least, as I heard you describe it, it sounds like it, the holistic consideration of the student applicant is something the UC schools and all colleges have done for some time. It doesn't sound like there's really a replacement for it as much as an elimination of it. And I'd like to get your thoughts on that.
3: Right. So it's a good time to apply, um, uh, uh, and, and I hope he looks at one of our campuses. Um He will have the option uh, uh, next year, he can either submit a score or not submit a score. Um, uh, It it will be up to him. He will have that agency himself. Um, uh, uh, What we are thinking about at at the UC, and again, the faculty did make this recommendation, going back to Bill's question, um, uh, is, uh, we have a specified curricula in California high schools. They're called the A through G classes that any California high school student who wants to go either the Cal State system or to UC um, has has to take. Um, and those are the courses that, in, in, in our view, um, uh, uh, are uh, 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 required to be prepared. Uh, to uh, undertake a a UC curriculum. Uh, When we talk about an alternative test, it's one really uh, more tied uh, to that curricula. Has the student actually mastered that content? Now, it may not end up being uh, a totally new test. Um, California already requires all high school juniors to take something called the SBAC. Um, And the SBAC already uh, includes some of that content. Maybe the SBAC can be reformed and made into uh, a more appropriate test for admissions purposes. Um, So those are the kinds of things we're going to study without determining. What we uh, have determined is that uh, students will not have to take the SAT. Thank but you. it's a it's a good year to apply. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Lynn Shank, you're up. Oh, thank you. Uh, first question: Which honorific do you prefer? Governor, Secretary, <laughs> President? <It's> President a nice ring, doesn't it, Janet? <laughs> <laughs> I hear, I, Lynn, I just go by I go by Janet. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Well, listen, I, I, not not to deviate from uh, the line of questioning, mine also has to do with the the university. You touched on the very serious divide between the haves and the have-nots, and and it's a growing issue in many respects that we can't go into here. We don't have the time. But uh, one of the issues that uh, I have heard about, and I'd like clarification if you can provide it, is that uh, the academics are getting a merit increase this year, whereas staff, are being laid off, which seems to me not only inequitable, but also uh, a common sense, creating a, a big problem, uh, not only in terms of unemployment, but again, the divide between the haves and the have-nots. And I understand there was a Supreme Court case on this issue in, in the 90s, but we're in a state of emergency. And
3: first of all, is that
6: accurate? And if no, it is-, is No,
3: that- it's, it's, it's incomplete. Um, uh, first, uh, uh, no employees at the UC have been laid off due to COVID. And we made that pledge, uh, last month, uh, that, uh, from March till, uh, the end of the fiscal year, there would be no, uh, employees laid off. And we have honored that pledge for the next fiscal year. We have frozen, uh, wages, uh, for staff. Um, the chancellors and myself all took a 10% salary cut. Uh, uh, the faculty scales have been frozen. Uh, and what does that mean? It means yeah. uh, for the vast majority of the faculty, their, their salaries are frozen just like the staff. There is a small percentage of the faculty that is uh, undergoing a very rigorous peer review process uh, that is uh, uh, unique to the University of California. Um, and uh, that is the process by which a faculty member can move up uh, up the scales, go from, say, a professor level three to a professor level four. Uh, we've decided for the time being not to interrupt that process, in part because years ago uh, when uh, a prior president tried to interrupt that process uh, um, uh, that was held to be um, a violation of contract uh, uh, by the California courts. But regardless um, uh, uh, for the, for the time being, I think that's the right thing to do. But by and large, um, uh, everybody but, is being frozen, and no one has been laid off. Uh,
6: good. thank Thank you for the
3: clarification.
1: Michelle Krauss and then Joel Myers. Michelle?
3: Uh, you're on mute, Michelle. I'm on mute. Hold on. It's coming. You too. Am I off mute? Yes. I am. Sorry about that. I'm still clumsy. Hi, Secretary Janet. So nice to see you. Hi, Michelle. Hi. And after all these years, I want to go back to your hat as Secretary of Homeland Security. I'd love your thoughts on our broken supply chain because they've not gone away and i'd love to talk about domestic manufacturing right so um uh, uh first of all uh, uh you know we really lost uh the entire month of february the beginning of march uh to deal with Supply chain. Um, uh, because even if you use kind of January 29th as your beginning date, uh, although there's an argument it was much before, but in January 29th, the first thing that should have happened uh, is uh, that there should have been uh, an inventory of what was in uh, the federal stockpile, a uh, direction uh, uh, to the states to evaluate what was in their stockpiles. An evaluation of what needed to be acquired. Uh, and there needed to be some uh, 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 organized national contract procurement process uh, uh, to acquire PPE, masks, all the things necessary, testing supplies, uh, all the things that would be necessary for an approaching pandemic. We didn't do any of that. Uh, uh, and of course, one of the things. Uh, Uh, That uh, became evident was how much of the supply chain for this sort of material is actually manufactured abroad uh, so that uh, for example uh, We were acquiring uh, lots and lots of PPE from China uh, where this whole thing started Uh, uh, And so I think now there is the beginning of a national effort to redomesticate as it were uh, supply chain uh, to the United States. I think that's a good idea. I think there could have been much earlier utilization of the Defense Production Act, which gives the president the authority to uh, direct a manufacturer to uh, uh, reconfigure um, his, uh, uh, his 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 manufacture lines uh, uh, to uh, make uh, uh, make things that are needed in a national emergency. Um, uh, and, and to this date it's still unclear to me whether they've used it used it at all um, uh, Who's calling the shots on that, but that statute is there for a reason and it should have been used
1: Thank you, Joel Myers Yeah, hi, thank you. Uh, I've been a Penn State trustee for 39 years. So obviously I'm interested in education and admissions and so on and of course with public money both from the state and federal government Uh, going to universities, it seems to me, there's an obligation to admit students most likely to be prepared for college and most likely to be successful and graduate. What experience do you have that the new system you have in place will be fair and more objective? Because obviously you mentioned grades, but a B in one high school is not equivalent necessarily to a B in another high school.
3: Right. So we already, uh, norm grades, uh, so, um, uh, that, uh, um, uh, students, uh, uh, we, we calculate the average, uh, GPA in a school, um, and come up with a, with a S with a number, a scale number, uh, uh, that, that, Uh, gives us a mechanism to norm uh, between high schools. Uh, And and that already happens. Um, uh, And what we have found is is that uh, high school GPA uh, is more predictive of uh, uh, retention between the first and second year and more predictive of ultimate graduation uh, than the SAT score. And I have a niece and a nephew who both went to Penn State. (laughs)
1: Maxine Clark
4: I've also been on the board of trustees of my alma mater the University of Georgia and I've been I'm I'm a member of the board of trustees of Washington University in St. Louis so I feel the pain that you've been going through although on a smaller scale but I wondered if in the system in the Cal State and the University of California system with all the things that you know that they have to plan for in order to decide to open if you've consolidated those um applications so that they can all benefit from each other's knowledge, including buying PPE, the way that schools have decided to reconfigure the dorms, or are they working together as you're suggesting that we should have done in our government?
3: So uh, uh, CSU and UC are not working together, but the campuses of the UC are are working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, uh I um, meet uh, by Zoom twice a week with all 10 chancellors. Uh, um, and, um, you know, we just, you know, take one issue after uh, after the next and exchange information and make decisions.
4: And so if a student gets into one of those universities uh, that's not going they decide not to open, um, are they, can they transfer? Can they move around? Or is it you're accepted to one of those wonderful universities or another that there's no...
3: Well, the way it works is um, uh, that you're accepted at one and we don't really uh, transfer. Um, But what we are uh, 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 developing is a common set of courses uh, that you can take um, uh, that will give you credit um, at your campus. But it's like a common um, uh, inventory or library of, of courses that you could take, they'll be in the cloud, uh, you take it, you get you get credit. So, uh, and that's, uh, those are all under development now. That's great, thank you.
7: Ron Lowenstein.
3: Um,
7: Chancellor, thank you very much for being with us. Um, you started the conversation today by saying that the, the federal effort was slow and chaotic, and then it's, and it still is. So here's a hypothetical, but given your leadership over the years and your training of, you know, all the leaders in your school system, if you were in a room with the lead members of the executive branch, the House and the Senate and the governors, what message would you give to them today with regard to the pandemic?
3: The message I would give uh, at the federal level is uh, that they need to begin um, uh, planning for a national vaccine campaign. They need to uh, set up the supply chain uh, for uh, hypodermics and other material that uh, could be needed Uh, They need to have a plan uh, in terms of who would get vaccinated first. Uh, You know, how would you roll that out? Uh, How would vaccine be uh, distributed? How it would be paid for? Um, uh, And and I think that's the direction I would go for the governors and and the state leaders. I would say, uh, even as you reopen, you must constantly monitor uh, your disease trends and uh, uh, make sure that we don't get in the same situation. We found ourselves this spring where we were at risk of the, of the curve surmounting or exceeding the um, uh, uh, capacity of hospitals uh, uh, to deal with sick patients. And you need to do some planning in anticipation either of a second wave or a second wave combined with uh, what looks to be a pretty aggressive flu season. That's my two Uh, cents. uh, Michael Small.
7: Hi, Secretary Napolitano. Uh, You gave us a very clear explanation of what you think should have happened. And normally during crisis, you just want to fix it and not analyze who did what right or wrong you know, and they save that for after the post-mortem, but it doesn't seem to be fixing itself. Um, What is your belief on why none of what you described has happened or appears to be happening now?
3: Well, I think, um, uh, Michael, uh, uh, um, uh, in the end, uh, responsibility rests with the White House. Um, uh, they are in charge of the executive branch, and uh, the president is, uh, uh, you know, the the, the the chief communicator. Whether he should be the chief communicator in a public health crisis is a is a question. Um, uh, um, but uh, you know, the White House from the beginning has been, you know, lots of turnover, lots of chaos, lots of you know, finger-pointing within the White House itself, uh, and it turns out there has been a heavy price uh, to pay for that. One of my concerns, uh, and this is something that uh, no labels, I think, could play a role in, is we we still have a public health crisis compounded by an economic crisis. But when a public health crisis becomes viewed as partisan, i.e., uh, if you wear a mask you're a democrat if you don't wear a mask you're a republican uh, um, uh and and um, uh, if you want everything open immediately from tattoo parlors to restaurants and everything you're a republican If you want everything shut down and quarantine you're a democrat. Um, Uh, that really gets us a far way from dealing with a national public health crisis that affects Democrats and Republicans. Uh, Virus does not distinguish. And uh, I I, I fear that we are falling uh, uh, into that trap. Uh, and, And that really worries me.
5: Any suggestions for us on how to get out of that trap?
3: You know, I think just getting out there and and saying to both sides, stop it. (laughs) You know, yes, this is a a virus that is not going to stop at your door and check your voter registration card.
1: (laughs) Well said. Doug Rutherford.
2: Uh, Secretary, I was going to ask along those same lines whether you had any suggestions for no labels on other bipartisan efforts that might be out there on the homeland security front for you know is any attempted at guest worker program still um dead on arrival do you think or do you think there are other things you know, stepping back from it that you might find uh the no labels impact somewhat useful at least on the congressional level
3: well one thing that the labels could have a a, a role in uh is uh uh you know when the Supreme Court announced its its opinion on DACA, uh, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, um, uh, you know the president tried to rescind the program. Uh, that attempt was enjoined by the federal courts, um, uh, including in a case the University of California filed. Um, uh, the government appealed that injunction to the U.S. Supreme Court, which heard oral argument last November. So we anticipate a decision any day now. Um, but uh, you know, if, if the court rules that uh, the the president had the power uh, to rescind the program, it doesn't mean he should rescind the program, uh, and uh, uh, given that literally thousands of DACA recipients, some 29,000 are themselves frontline healthcare workers, they're nurses, they're respiratory therapists, physician's assistants. Some are actually physicians. Um, it seems crazy to, to uh, put them under the risk of deportation. And when DACA was first announced, it had broad bipartisan support. And so perhaps, uh, uh, if the Supreme Court rules for the administration uh, in the DACA matter, uh, uh, this is something then that no uh, uh, the labels might say, look, even if the president has the power, he shouldn't use that power here and or, uh, and, or uh, uh, go to Congress and um, uh, get a legislative solution. Uh,
1: Richard Davis.
7: Um, I want to go back to sort of your Homeland Security experience. Um, my own experience in federal law enforcement saw a lot of dysfunction and lack of coordination. And, and obviously the Department of Homeland Security was created in order to address that in, in the in the areas that, that were required after 9-11. Based on your experience at Homeland Security, based on what you've seen since that time, both in the last administration and this administration, and your comment that they seem to be not present in any meaningful way, in this crisis, do you see that there should be changes in that department? Do you think that it's still functioning as it should, or do you think that it needs we need a new look again at that structure and a structure now to protect our homeland from from uh, some of the forces that it was intended to protect?
3: Right. So I think. Um Uh, you know, when the department was first created, Tom Ridge was the secretary, then it was Michael Chertoff, then me, and then Jay Johnson. And uh, with each of us, we were making progress and really knitting together uh, all the functionality of of the department. Uh, uh, And and, um, even though it was 23 different agencies having really strong priorities about uh, where efforts would be expended, what uh, uh, analysis of risks, uh, either existing or incipient, that uh, uh, the country needed to account for, uh, and 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 so uh, it it was coming coming together. And, and I'd remind you that uh, when the Department of Defense was created, um, uh, most analysts say it it took them at least forty years to operate as a as a as a department, uh, not as just the Department of Army and Navy and so forth, but uh, uh, an integrated department. So we were making real progress. Uh, unfortunately, under the uh, Trump administration, uh, there's been constant turnover in the upper ranks uh, of the department uh, with many of the presidential, uh, uh, presidentially appointed uh, positions left vacant and filled with actings. Um, I think they're on their fourth or fifth secretary um, uh, in the first three years. And uh, Obama had two um, for eight years. Um, uh, uh, And and that has consequences. And and then, of course, uh, for so long, it's been like the Department of Homeland Security is the Department of the southwest border, that there is no other... Purpose or mission uh, the Department of Homeland Security has, mm-hmm. and uh, while the Southwest border is important, um, uh, uh, it, it is certainly uh, not the only uh, uh, risk um, uh, facing the the United States. And so, between that um, over hyper focus on the Southwest border and the constant churn in leadership. Um, uh, I think unfortunately it's, it's, it's gone backwards. Um, uh, and so, you know, the, uh, the department, um, uh, was in, in part a reflection of the 9-11 commission report, uh, uh, which really I think is the gold standard for kind of an after crisis, um, objective look at what happened and why, um, uh, and, and I think when there is and hopefully there will be such an analysis uh, of COVID um, uh, one of the, the aspects that should be evaluated was the role of the Department of Homeland Security and Whether it was the right role and whether it was appropriately carried out
1: Terrific governor secretary president This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for for joining us.
0: Governor Napolitano can see the current national health crisis from a number of perspectives. As a former state leader, as a national security expert, and as a university system president. In moving forward, she believes it is vital to clarify the roles of different federal government agencies and their relationships to one another. She also stresses the importance of maintaining state government rights, as she says the president simply does not have the authority to mandate all state responses to the crisis. Go to nolabels.org to learn more about how we are bringing together a bipartisan group of public and private leaders working to solve America's toughest problems. I'm Ryan Clancy, and this has been an episode of Gridlock Break, a No Labels podcast.